Hello, and welcome to A Simple Prayer Podcast. This is Steve. Nine years have passed since our last episode, which found me a little boy in a Sunday school classroom in a church in Westboro, Massachusetts. But now we've been living in a Chicago suburb for seven years, and I'm 16 years old. It's Christmas morning, 1967. Our family is gathered comfortably in our warm home, enjoying the afterglow of having just opened the Christmas presents. The tree is lit, the presents are scattered about, there's laughter and joy. And outside, there's snow on the ground. It's a white Christmas. The telephone rings. My mom answers it. She turns to me with a quizzical look on her face and says, Stephen, it's for you. Wondering which one of my friends might be calling me on Christmas morning, I amble over to the phone and take the receiver from mom. I take a couple of steps away for privacy about as far as the short cord on the phone will permit, and say, Hello? An unfamiliar male voice on the other end says, Is this Stephen? Yes, I say. Stephen? This is Sergeant Jessup of the Homewood Police Department. I want you to get over here to the station right now. I don't care how you do it. I don't care what you tell your parents but you better be over here in 15 minutes. The adrenaline hit my body like an electric shock. Okay, sure, I'll be right over, I managed to say. I hung up the phone. Who was that? Mom asked. It's Ken. He wants me to come over and see his presence. Okay, tell him Merry Christmas. I will. Even before I had hung up the phone, I knew exactly what Sergeant Jessup was calling me about. And it was certainly nothing I would ever want my parents to know about, although there were, in fact, quite a few other incidents that would also fall into that category. And all of those incidents had occurred over the past 15 months since I started sophomore year of high school. In my freshman year of high school, I really had a great time, great experience. It was challenging with lots of new kids flooding into a big high school, kids I didn't know, but I made the adjustment well, got good grades, had good friends, did good activities. It was an excellent school. It was run as a tight ship. There was tight discipline. I remember the dean of students patrolling the hallways. If girls wore skirts that were too short, he'd make them kneel and take a ruler and measure the length of the skirt. It had to be below the knee. And there were consequences uh, if if they weren't and consequences for a lot of other infractions too. But it was a wonderful, good learning environment. Over the following summer, though, we heard rumblings that uh, something new was going to take place at the school. There was going to be modular scheduling, they called it. Looking back, it's clear that a new school board had been elected. And their philosophy, quite literally, as, as published in the newspaper, their philosophy was that the students knew best what was best for them. 
and therefore the plan was to give the students lots of freedom. What this boiled down to was reduced length of class time, giving lots of free time in between the classes. So this cut the teacher's workload, but it just took the leash off the students. Now this came at a time in my life when I distinctly remember having a sense of adventure. I just wanted excitement and adventure. And I made a lot of new friends who felt the same way with their outlook on life. We all wanted a sense of adventure, and we found it together. Now, the school board's theory was that we would study during our free time and work together cooperatively and learn even better than we had learned before. But guess what? We just snuck out of the school, smoked cigarettes outside, goofed off, clowned around, all with no consequences. None at all. We soon discovered that since we could get away with whatever we wanted to do, well, why not just leave school? The commuter train to downtown Chicago was nearby, so we would meet in the morning, and at the first so-called modular schedule free time opportunity, out the door we went with nobody stopping us, and hop on the train without buying a ticket. There were no turnstiles back then. You just got on the train and waited for the conductor to come by. But we knew the conductor's schedule, so we would just get off the train at a certain station, run down a few cars and get back on, and, and thereby miss the conductor on his rounds and get downtown without paying any money. Uh, you may have seen in the news over the past couple of years the looting gangs that have taken over in big cities, uh, uh, flash mobs of shoplifters, uh, all of a sudden appearing in a store and grabbing whatever they want and running out. Well, we were a precursor to that on one occasion. We passed the store windows of an expensive store in downtown Chicago, and on display were men's hats of the time that were fashionable for office workers in the 1960s, and we wanted some hats. So and we went as a group and brazenly and amazingly got out of the store with each of us wearing a hat without having paid for it. We did a similar thing on another occasion in a suburban department store. All went in separately into a tool department of the store, picked out what we wanted, took an elevator to a different floor and walked out of the store with the items concealed in our clothing. Well, not exactly godly behavior, was it? Uh, well, that was the farthest thing from my mind. What was in my mind was excitement, living life on the edge. And I did, and I loved it, and I was having a, just a great time. And when we did go to classes, the Passing periods were very crowded in the hallways during the passing periods, and we, we would disrupt things and be obnoxious and be proud of ourselves for being obnoxious. I'm ashamed to say that I participated in bullying some students who had actually been my friends back in grade school, and I did that because I was part of a new group now. And, to offset my failing grades, I discovered that I could sneakily look at another student's test paper during class and get free answers without having to do any work. 
Um, the class where I really needed to cheat the most in order to have any chance of passing the course was chemistry. I was in a tough chemistry class, and there was a very smart young boy who sat next to me, and I I just blatantly copied off of him. I thought I was totally undetectable and very clever. So imagine my shock and amazement and embarrassment when one day during the class, he turned to me after the test and said, you copied off of me. Now, he and I were friends and especially had been in freshman year before modular scheduling. So I, I lied to him and I said, no, I didn't. But he did something the school administration had not done for me at all. He, he pushed back on me and he said, yes, you did. And so in doing that, he did me an immense favor. He did. And actually, he convicted me in my sin. He was a Jewish boy. He believed in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, as I do today. And just like that, just like that, I was cured of cheating in school. Just cured. I, I never did that again. But somehow his pushback was not a cure-all for my other bad behaviors. For some strange reason, he had only cured me of cheating in school. Well, there were lots of other incidents I could share with you, but I won't. Uh, I think you get the general idea of what I was like at that stage in my life. So here I am walking along the snowy sidewalk toward the police station. Every single nerve fiber in my body firing away on edge. I get to the police station. I can't believe people are working on Christmas morning, but they were. I signed in with an officer. He made me wait a long time, just sit there squirming on the chair. So by the time Sergeant Jessup called me in to his office, and by this time I was totally unable to resist any degree of interrogation whatsoever. Sergeant Jessup paused, staring me in the eye. Then he said, did you steal the box of silver coins? No, I said. Do you know who did? Yes, I said. Who was it? I gave him a name. I knew who did it. I'm calling him next, he said. You'd better be right. Go home. And I did go home. When I got back, Mom said... That was fast. Yes, I lied. They were going to eat soon. But I was thinking about the box of old silver coins, a large box. A coin collection that had been in the closet of the house of Mike, a friend of mine. Not the same Mike that I have uh, spoken about earlier who had uh, been in the fight with me. But Mike's house had become a hangout during the modular scheduling free time when his parents were off at work. And on one of those days, Mike showed off his brother's coin collection that was in the closet, including the big box of old silver coins. And we all admired it. The next time after that that I hung out in Mike's house was in violation of Mike's instructions. He had told us not to go in that day. But some of us did anyway. And we're in Mike's house 
During school hours, when a car pulls up in the driveway, it was Mike's mom. A neighbor had seen us enter and called Mike's mom, and she had come to get us out. Let's go, was all she said, but she was furious. We got in the car, and without a word, she drove us back to school. About a month after that, I was over at the shopping mall with a buddy when another guy drove up in a car. He'd been in Mike's house, too. Check this out, he said. He opened the car door, and on his lap, he had the box of silver coins from Mike's closet. Go ahead, take some, he said. I've got lots. We stared at the coins. Go on, take some. No way, we said. Give them back. Fine, have it your way, he said. And off he drove with the coins. But now here is where the code of silence comes in, because you don't rat on a friend. Even to another friend, I guess it sounds incredible looking back at it, but what did I do? I did not tell Mike, that's for sure. And it was about another month before Christmas, so I don't know when, during that period of time, the theft was discovered. But obviously, when it was discovered, my name was probably the first one given to Sergeant Jessup over at the police department as a prime suspect, and understandably so. It was quite a while before I encountered the thief again, and when I did, he was angry with me, and he said, you ratted me out. And I said, yeah, I told you to take him back. I'm not going to take the fall for you. And that was pretty much the end of that friendship. If a criminal case was brought, I never heard anything about it. But I imagine that Sergeant Jessup handled the matter with the same skill and discretion with which he had handled me. After the interview with Sergeant Jessup, I tried to avoid Mike. We graduated, went our separate ways, and I have not seen him again since. But about 40 years later... Mike reached out to me over the internet. I, I really couldn't believe it. I'd seen his name pop up on social media for quite a while. I'm sure he'd seen my name pop up too. But to his great credit, he was the first one to break the ice. Just reached out to me, didn't say anything else. And the first response I made to him was to confess everything and to apologize and to beg his forgiveness. And he was just so gracious in response. He said, that was a long time ago. Things were different then. Well, Mike was right. Things were different then. We live a long way apart now. I hope maybe someday we'll get together. But until then, let's leave it with this simple prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for the four people mentioned in this story who helped me, well, if not get on the right track, at least get me moving in a direction towards the right track. And these are my Jewish friend who cured me of cheating in school, Mike's mom who came and got me out of her house that I had broken into and took me back to school. Sergeant Earl Jessup of the Homewood Police Department, 
May he rest in peace. I understand that he passed away in 2004. He gave up his Christmas morning to help me and to get to the truth in a very effective manner. And to my good friend, Mike. I'm happy to tell you that Mike and I are reacquainted now. I ran this podcast past him. He suggested a couple of changes to it. And although we live far apart now, we're hoping to get together sometime. I didn't know it at the time, certainly did not know it at the time, but these four people had started me off in your direction, dear Lord. But that would take another 17 years before I gave my life to you, and things were going to get a whole lot worse for me in the meantime, in certain ways. But a whole lot better in others. In Jesus' name, wilt thou protect and guide us all. Amen.